and I don't usually make make jokes like this. It's very not my style. But basically, what James is saying is throw your balls at him, and he'll make sure that they go straight down the center. <laughs> Pretty much, I'm saying, say, don't throw them at me. Throw them at the target. <laughs> Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high performance results in your business. Hi there, listener. Ezra Firestone here for another episode of Think, Act, Get. My partner, as always, James Shramko. James, how are you, man? I'm going well, Ezra. We're in the dead middle of winter here in Sydney. However, I'm still in a t-shirt. It's not that bad. Yeah, it sure doesn't look like it based on the the view out that window of yours. Yeah, I've got a nice sunny spot overlooking the ocean. And I guess we get to choose where we live. So if you are listening to this and it's too hot or too cold, perhaps you could move. Well, uh, as you're going to see in the first story of this episode... We're going to be talking a little bit about where I live, personally. So this episode of Think, Act, Get is on the topic of relationship. And every episode of Think, Act, Get has, in one way or another, been about this topic. Your relationship to your emotional state, your relationship to your life, your relationship to the people in your life, your relationship to yourself, to your business. This one is a biggie. So what is a relationship. Well, it's an experience that you have with something outside yourself or something that you perceive to be outside yourself. So relationship, what is it? What are your relationships like and how are they affecting your business and your life? That's what we're looking at in this episode of Think, Act, Get. Okay. So what's the difference between relationship and relationships? Well, relationship is describing the topic uh, of relationships. And uh, relationships are generally thought of as between two people. And what I wanted to point out is that you are having a relationship with multiple things in your life, not just another person, but your relationship to your space, for example, which is what this first story is about. Uh, okay. And obviously to yourself. Exactly. Definitely to your. I mean, your biggest relationship is the one that you have with yourself because you spend, the, you spend more time with yourself than uh, anything else in the world. And for some people, they seem to express that as a bad thing externally. Like, oh, you know, such and such, you idiot. They're talking first person or I hate myself for that or whatever. You know, it's people are really tough on themselves and and you don't have to be. And as we'll talk about uh, in a minute here, approval is everything. So let's start with an easy one in, in, in relationship to this topic. So I, I'm apartment hunting in New York City, uh, actually Brooklyn right now, which is kind of crazy that we're considering leaving New York City and going to Brooklyn. But you walk into these people's apartments and they haven't moved out, right? You have this broker who's like taking you around to all of these buildings and apartments that you, you know, you saw on Craigslist or you saw on, on apartmentrentals.com. And you kind of get a glimpse into how people live, into what they're like. And oh my God, I hate to say it, but most New Yorkers, or at least the ones who are living in two and three bedroom apartments in the village, which is where we're looking, are slobs, like gross and dirty. And, and I just think like, how can you have a re- that kind of relationship to the space around you? Because your living space is the foremost representation, manifestation of your inner state. So if you have a look around at your house or your desk, that's probably what's going on inside. So try organizing or feng shuiing your place and have a look at your relationship to the physical space around you and how you treat it. In my experience, you will feel so much better 
if things are a little bit clearer. So we're going to look at the nature of relationship in general in this episode and relating to a few specific topics. But one of the biggies is your relationship to the space in which you inhabit. This is fantastic. I've had a similar thing. I'll give you two stories around this. One thing is in my field, which is primarily internet-based, I have a look at the relationship that people have with their equipment, their computer, and their workspace. And every time I go to someone else's place or their office, and we invariably have a discussion about something, and it usually leads to, hey, could you just have a look at this, or could you just show me this? I went to a friend's place for lunch, and uh, my friend Vera asked me to have a look at her computer because she couldn't load a certain program. And I went to the computer and I found that she was using an old version of the software that operates that system. And she wasn't able to access the modern functions that would enable her life to be completely different. And that astounds me that people won't actually upgrade their gear to have the most up-to-date equipment. And then when I went to another office on the weekend, I went to visit my sister and she was typing and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you typing? Why don't you just talk? She goes, what do you mean? She looked at me as if I had two heads. I said, just tap function twice and just talk. And she didn't have the latest operating system either. So her entire relationship to work and productivity could change if she had a different way of interacting with her equipment just by having a simple upgrade, which is really just like two clicks and maybe a few dollars. So that's something that strikes me about relationship to equipment. Now, I also went to my friend's house, Michael, and he is a minimalist. When I went to his office, it was very, very orderly. He had an extremely clear mind map on his wall of exactly what he's doing in his business. When I went to his house component, there's almost nothing there. He has very few items. He's just a few pairs of shoes, a few favorite clothes, and a favorite pair of sunglasses, a favorite guitar, and he and he lives lean. And I'm not surprised because if I wind back the clock to about 2001, when I used to work with Michael, he's the first person to introduce me to a stand-up desk. I went around to his little portal. We had 20 salespeople and at his desk, there was no chair. And I went around to inspect the work area because I noticed there was a relationship between a salesperson's desk and office space to the way they conduct business with the customers. I'll contrast this. That is fascinating. There was this really, really overweight guy and under his desk were two boxes of donuts, jars of food, just crap everywhere, paperwork, items all over the desk, messy, and I would get follow-up calls from his customers saying, Ian hasn't contacted us. Ian was going to get back to us with this. Ian said that this and never happened. So his, his work life was messy as well. He was overweight, he had terrible diet, his office was a mess and his way of doing business was a disgrace. And then and then you look at Michael, when I went to his desk, there was nothing there. There was a phone and a pen and a calculator and an order pad. Not even a chair. I'm like, Michael, where's your chair? He goes, I don't need it. I, I said, what do you mean you don't need it? He goes, if I have a chair, I'm going to sit down. And if I sit down, I'm not going to be out there talking to customers. This guy has the, the leanest, most efficient effective way of doing business. And then when I speak to Michael's customers, Michael said that I would get Amazing. this, 
and he over-delivered. Michael said that I would have this by a certain time, and it came early. You know, Michael's on top of it. So I actually have seen evidence of the relationship between the workspace and the performance with the customers. You know, it makes perfect sense. And I think I may have even met Michael at FastWeb Formula. Was he there? Yes, he designed the jackets. Yeah, Okay, that's right. And then I did meet him. He's a cool guy. But it, it makes perfect sense. And I'm not even advocating for being a minimalist, although I think the less stuff you have, the less stuff you have to manage, and the less you know of your brain space you have to use on your stuff. But I'm just advocating for being for having a healthy relationship to the stuff around you. Yeah, whatever that is. And remember, you don't own stuff. Stuff owns you. So <laughs> keep in mind that relationship. It's much more powerful on the other side than we give it credit for. It really is. And, and you're reminded of that if you ever have to move because every single thing you own has to be picked up, carried, stored, disposed of. It's, oh, my God. Becomes, you know, don't, don't remind a, me. A, I have to do this oh, no. in, in a month. <laughs> This is going to be, it's just mad. I mean, we don't have that much stuff. We have all of our stuff fits in one very small New York City apartment in comparison to where the way, the amount of space that most people live in. So we don't actually have all that much stuff. But even the amount of stuff that we have, we've got a bed and a couch and I have like two computer screens and a desk and we've got all kinds of kitchen equipment and a bar. Like we have a lot of things when you really consider well, you know, it. I've actually cut back on that stuff. And if you were to listen to some of my older material... I was talking about having two computer screens and and stuff, but I've actually been standing up at the same stand-up desk for a couple of months now. Just one computer, one external monitor, one stand-up desk is where I'm doing the, the bulk of my stuff, like pretty much everything, and it's much simpler. I'll give you another little tip. This is for employers, people who hire staff. If you want to know how they behave with their customers, do a sporting or a fun activity like 10-pin bowling, and I will guarantee you, that they will approach 10-pin bowling or golf or any indoor sport the same way that they sell or that they conduct themselves with customers. If they cheat with the paperwork or the customers, they will cheat on the golf course or the 10-pin bowling. If they are slapdash, have no preparation, then just roll up and hurl the ball down the alley, that's how they'll be doing business. If they go and find the just the right size ball, they do some practice swings, they measure their approach, they focus on refining their, their game as the game improves. That's how they'll operate. I've never seen an inconsistency with that. You know, it goes back to the old um, saying, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I don't want to generalize that much, but there is merit to that. How you behave and your relationship to certain areas of your life is often similar to the relationship you have to other areas of your life. Yeah, and I rem remember reading a book called Mental Chemistry, and it's by Charles Harnell. And it had something about the outside manifestation is a reflection of your inside mind. So I'm just paraphrasing that. But ever since reading that, I had a look at uh, my body weight. The, the, you know, I took efforts to clean up more. I was probably a little bit messy as a child. If you ask my mum, I'm sure she'll confirm that. As an adult, though, I, I do put more focus on folding my clothes, keeping my washing up to date. Well, I've uh, I've been in your house and I'm and and you know I can vouch for your um, level of hygiene. Now, if you really want to get gnarly with it, let's talk about personal hygiene. Let's talk about do you floss your teeth? You know, do you brush 
morning and night? Do you shower? Do you clean your ears? Like, do you clip your toenails? Like, do you take the basic level care of this vessel that is carrying you through this world? That is, I mean, that will change your life. It really will. If you take the time to really take care of yourself, um, it will have you feel much better about yourself. It will have you experience more success in your life. Um, it'll have people want to be around you more. It's a very, um, uh, you know, it only takes 15 or 20 minutes a day, morning and night, but it has a, a great impact. I wasn't going to really get that that deep here, but um, since since you brought it up, you know. Well, that's what we do, baby. We, we deep dive. And, and we're talking about the relationship. If you can actually consider the relationship between doing the effort now versus the long-term payoff, then that makes it a good decision to do it now. I think my father helped me with this when he he's used to say, just put it away like we used to uh build cars in the garage and i would have to fetch his tools and then he'd give me the tool and he'd go put it back instead of just putting it on the floor he says because it's got to go back at some point so you might as well just put it back right now in one move and then you never have to do it later it's so true if not now then when is a fantastic quote uh, by a guy called Vic Bronco. and it's it really sums that up like if you're gonna if you don't do it now you're gonna have to do it at some point and better to just get it done while you have the cycle going, while you have the energy for that. Now, one of the things I want to talk to you about, James, because I think this is an interesting, I've, I've watched this happen with your work. You've changed the relationship you have to quality. Yeah. Well, I've seen that there, that gives me, it, it makes me happier. So I don't know on what level that works, but I used to sell Mercedes Benz and every day for a good decade, I was convincing people that they would be better off to have a nicer thing and rather than lots of cheap nasty things and i'm finding this in every level you know we're talking right now on a road podcaster mic and i used to have a logitech usb that i would do my early podcasts and recordings with as soon as i went to that next level of quality everything comes across with a much higher brand value i've put more efforts into custom designed websites and logos i have uh, I went out and bought a quality chair about five years ago when I quit my job. Instead of the cheap chair that you go down and get at Officeworks or whatever the version is over there, uh, which you know for seventy or ninety bucks is going to kill your back and destroy it, I went and spent six or seven hundred dollars on a European mesh-backed quality chair, and my back pain disappeared. And now, of course, I have a stand-up desk, and that's even better. But the thing is, quality pays. Especially now when people have a lot of choice, there's a lot of noise out there in the marketplace, they will be drawn to quality. They will pay more for quality. It's more rewarding. Even when I'm buying clothing, I will seek out now the thing that I really want instead of an influence, like an impulse purchase of stuff. I've actually, I went to a store, I found a pair of shoes out of going to three stores that I really liked, but they didn't have my size. And I went back about, a month later, just to see if they've got more stock and miraculously they'd gotten stock in of my size and I purchased it. So that that was a month, a month wait for just the right pair of shoes that I really, really wanted. I just want to throw something in there. This has nothing to do with anything, but my viewpoint on clothing is only buy things that you absolutely love because if your closet is full of things that you really, really love and you know the difference between something you just like and something you love to wear, then you feel so good about yourself every day. I only have stuff that I just I feel like I'm a rock star in. So anyways. And, and clothing is so cheap. This is the thing. You can wear that cheap shit 
for a long time, it's not going to wear out that fast or you just donate it to someone who needs it more than you, someone who's freezing cold on the streets. Give them that old hoodie or that old shirt or the old pair of pants that you don't feel very special in and just go and invest uh, a few hundred dollars in something really awesome. My friend of mine has a jacket that I love. I love the brand. I love the the, the ethos of the company, what it's all about. And I, even the stitching and the quality and the, the cut and the materials, it's fantastic. And this probably sounds really anal, but I'm just interested in that stuff now because I've got everything else and I'm just, I'm just paying more attention to the detail. And I went to the store to have a look at what might be there for me and I actually took my time to select from the different things, try on different sizes and get the one that I love. And I haven't taken the jacket off. I love that jacket. And I now I'm able to release all my old jackets that came before it because they'd pale in comparison and I can have less things but feel really good about it. So my experience as a whole has gone right up and I'm able to recycle stuff back down to somewhere where someone can get more use from it than I will because I won't pull it out of my cupboard anymore now that I have a new jacket. You know, that, that could be a good addition to the wager what what clothing do you have that you have just not touched in years? Get rid of that stuff. Rid yourself of the heaviness of the things that you don't use that will open up space for you to have other things that you will like more and that you will use in your life. Cool. So we've talked about the relationship for your work environment, the relationship to your uh, the way that you live at home and the clothing and stuff that you have. What else can we talk about? Well, this podcast episode was inspired by one of our listeners, Michelle, and she suggested the topic of relationships. And I, I was assuming when she said that, I was not 100% sure, but I'm assuming that she was talking about intimate relationships, not just the relationships you have uh, with, an, with any other person, specifically uh, intimate relationships. And so I thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about what is the key to a successful partnership relationship the kind with intimacy. And I'm not just talking about successful business partnerships, although we did just touch on that. And this is obviously a huge topic, but we'll break it down real quick. So here's the one thing that you need. You need to feel good about yourself. You need to be a whole, fulfilled, happy person in order to have a good partnership. If you're looking for someone else to fulfill you or make you happy, then you're probably doomed if you come into that relationship. It go in that relationship. But if you go into that relationship being secure and happy with who you are and have a, having a fulfilling and engaging life on your own, then you're able to add energy and juice to the partnership and make something beautiful. So that's kind of an oversimplified version, but it's fundamentally what will have you succeed in a relationship is if you are feeling good about your life and yourself going into the partnership and you're not looking to fulfill yourself or complete a hole in yourself through that partnership. Now, now that I've covered that basic ground level thing that you want to have in order to have a successful intimate relationship let's cover a few ground rules I've well, hang, down hang, hang on a sec there so let, let's just clear this up because i'm new to this field sure. <laughs> you're just rolling in like a seasoned pro i think you've had this conversation before um yeah yeah so what you're saying is that if you are comfortable with yourself you're reducing the risk of uh, too much codependency. Well, if you're yes, ex- yes, if you're going into a relationship looking for the relationship to complete your life or fulfill you, then you're hosed. But if you're going into a relationship as a happy, fulfilled person, then you can really bring energy and life into a relationship. When you're like when you put that much pressure on a relationship to start, 
it, it's really tough on the relationship. And the, and the other thing is that it's really un, unattractive. An unfulfilled person, like a black hole of, 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 of neediness, is very unattractive. And it's hard to attract a partner when you're putting off that kind of energy. But if you're putting off the energy of like you're having a good time and you're really enjoying yourself and you're happy, you will attract a lot of people. So it's kind of like it works in your favor in the initial onset too when you're looking to attract someone if you're feeling good about yourself. That's what you're so good at. I was just speaking to someone who was transcribing your presentation from Fast Web Formula 4 and she said, gee, that Ezra's full of energy. He's such a bundle of happiness. You know, you just ooze that. So... uh you're doing something right there. All right, step us through the rules. All right, so here these now. Now, like I was saying, this is obviously a vast topic that people have wrote, written books and designed, you know, weeks and year long courses. I mean, it's a very big topic. This, how do you have a successful relationship? I just listed a couple things off the top of my head. So, first thing, find them right. Uh, another quote by this guy Vic, who I learned a lot from, Vic Baranco, uh, LafayetteMorehouse.com. If you want if you want to find the right woman, find a woman right. So what does that mean? Well, it means that approval goes a long way. So you can fall in love through approval. So if you're willing to find someone adorable instead of annoying, you're going to have a lot more uh, chance of success with that person. It's just a mindset switch, the willingness to approve of your partner, to look at the person in your life, and instead of looking for the things that you don't approve of in them, just look at what you like. Oh, I really like the way they do this. I really like the way they look you know, when they do this. I really like you know, the way that they, they hum when they're in the shower. Like, If you just focus on what you like about them, you will start to find more things that you like about them, and it will just grow. Approval really is the key to a successful relationship. You just have to approve of your partner. And to use that lingo, find your partner right. Second thing, don't re- react out of emotions. So don't be controlled by your emotional state. This is where people are so victimized by their emotional state in our society. They get, they're like, oh, I was really angry or I was really sad, so I behaved like an asshole. Pardon my language. Feel your emotions, but you do not, they do not control you. And it's always proved when you see like, you know, someone who's big and bad and like a bully. When a bigger, badder person walks in the room, that bully quiets down and calms down. So you are in control of your emotional state. And a lot of people like to uh, claim that they're not, claim that they're the victims of their emotions, but it's simply not true. And uh, it's, you know, some emotions are really tough. Jealousy, for example, is a tough one. You know, there's some emotions that are very heavy, but you can control yourself. And if you're willing to um, feel your emotions and then react, you're going to have a lot more successful, you're going to have a more successful partnership because you're not going to just be being an emotional wreck and being mean when you're feeling emotional. Be willing to listen to your partner's point of view and genuinely consider it. Like seriously, listen to what they have to say and really give it a think. Don't just like bulldoze them with your point of view. I mean, I know it's very, um, it's very, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's compelling to do that because we all think that our point of view and the way that we think is the right way, but like, be willing to listen to them. Create fun experiences and make offers. Dude, this one is huge. Create fun experiences. Make offers for things that, are, that you think would be fun to do together. Like Create experiences that you can have together because the way that you grow closer is by having shared experiences. Be happy and enthusiastic. We just covered that one. Here's another one. I'm going to swear again. Heavy shit will happen. There will be ups and downs. So enjoy the down rides as much as possible because they are what make the good good. Without the bad, there is no comparison to good. You've got to have bad times in order to appreciate the good times. Get interested in what your partner is interested in or find something that you're both interested in because 
The easiest way to have a relationship, uh, to, to, to create distance in a relationship is to have nothing that you do together. So many people get together and then stop hanging out. That is like a recipe for disaster. So get into... What about if there's too much in common? Well, I mean, you've got to have... Pete, I mean, look, you've got to have your own space. You've got to have your own things that you do. You've got to have your own life outside of the partnership. Of course, that's so, so important. Um, but a lot of people, yeah, I mean, that is not, that is actually not the common problem when you talk to people who have, you know, when you talk, when you are around relationship counseling and people are in relationships, the common problem is not that we spend too much time together. It's that like, we don't do anything together and you're always gone at work and I'm always with the kids. And like, we, you know, like, it's like, we don't have anything that we like to do together and we're not willing to do the work to find something that we want to do together. Or we're so, you know, we're so, we're so, like, it's been so long of this that we just don't even want to confront each other anymore. Next thing is don't have withheld value judgments. This goes along with the last one. So these things will tear you apart. So what is a value judgment? Well, you make them all the time. You walk into a room, you think it's hot in here, but you don't say it. You think that person's hair looks funny, but you don't say it. It's anything that you think that you don't say. And these value judgments carry this word that we talked about in the first episode or second episode, charge. They carry charge, both positive and negative. So if you judge something, judge someone or something as negative and you don't tell them about it, it creates distance. So you want to make sure that if something comes up that carries negative charge for you, like if you, like, let's say someone steps on your foot every time they, they walk by you and they, and, and they never acknowledge it and you always think your foot hurts. Well, you're just going to think that person is a real jerk. And over time, I'll just make this one quick because this is a big topic. So basically, if things happen in the relationship that don't feel good to you, and you don't talk about them immediately. This is the same thing that James was talking about with putting away the tool right away. If you don't talk about the things that come up right away, then they just sit there and fester in your mind and you think about how you don't like that person because they did this thing to you. And all it takes is talking about that stuff as it comes up. It takes eternal vigilance. So consistently being willing to talk about everything that comes up as it comes up keeps the space clear and keeps the relationship good. So be willing to share how you're feeling. If you're not willing to share with your partner how you're feeling about the way that they're treating you or the way or things that are happening in the relationship, you're not ready to be in a relationship because that's what it takes. It takes the willingness to share how you feel about what's going on and the willingness to listen to how they feel about what's going on. And then lastly, the real thing that it really takes, this is all, this is all you really need, is be interested. All you have to do is be interested in that other person and you will be successful. Anyways, those are my initial thoughts on the topic. Um, I hope that you enjoyed them. <laughs> So that was intimate relationships. Now, there's a couple more topics. Now, as James just mentioned to me, this is a very big topic, and there's a lot to cover. And what we're trying to do is just get you the tidbits that are uh, that we feel are most important and most relevant, or the ones that came up when I was creating these show notes. And and the, the next one that I think it, that I'm curious to get your viewpoint on, James, is the relationship you need to have to commitment in order to have a successful business. So what do you need to commit to in order to achieve results in your business? And what does your relationship to commitment need to look like? Uh, well, sometimes it's tested, I can tell you, especially depending on the type of business you have. When you have a service business like I do, or part of it, say half of my business is a service business where I have services. I hire human labor and I have to commit to their wages. That means there's let's say 50-something families whose prime income is coming from me. 
So I have to commit to being responsible and navigating my business in a responsible way to continue their security and employment. They have to put a lot of trust in me that I can do that. Then we have to commit to the customers who order things from us to deliver what we promise. So we have to be responsible about our offers and our delivery of those services. And this is where a lot of business owners get it wrong. Firstly, I've seen a lot of people hire small teams and then fire them all because they couldn't manage their business properly and they didn't sustain their business. Secondly, I've seen a lot of people make wild offers and grow big tails that they can't then complete and provide a lousy service. And then they lose the customer, they lose their ongoing business, and then everyone loses their jobs as well. So I have to commit. In fact, I'll tell you, I had this clear moment when I was ready to quit my job. And this was our relationship with myself here. I said to myself, if I quit my job, I have to commit to continually coming up with innovation to be able to stay in front of the bleeding edge so that I can sustain this business because I have a family to support and I'm giving up a big paycheck for this. So I had a commitment that I could continue to do what I do even though everything will change and I knew it would change. The business model would change, the market would change, the customers would change, I would change. Everything changed but that is the one thing if you could only have one skill, it would be the ability to master change and that definitely stems from the relationship you have with yourself. How you feel about your ability to cope with change is going to dictate many, many consequential things. You know, that's a, a very good topic that wasn't in here and I will say that uh, the way that you just articulated the commitment you have to have to the 50 families who your business supports is pretty heavy. It's not just that. There's hundreds of resellers who re rely on our supply who service thousands of customers. So we have a huge responsibility to, to be there, to be stable, to be uh, reliable, to have good quality supply. And it is a big responsibility. And I think that's why there's not that many people doing it in the same way that I am because it just requires that next degree of responsibility and you will be tested and tried. You, you're going to have some challenges, uh, you know, just as simple as a customer who gets confused about how they unsubscribe. Instead of hitting unsubscribe for their subscription, they lodge chargebacks on all the payments they've made because they're not well educated in how they should stop it, even though they could have just asked us, hey, can I stop the subscription? And we would have just happily logged in and done it for them. Those things are annoying. Or then you'll get stuff like a credit card fraud when someone steals a credit card, orders services, and then three months later, you get all these chargebacks. So you've effectively worked for free. And who's carrying the can on that? Me. I'm the one paying the bank fees. I'm the one paying the team. We've done all this work for nothing. And it can be annoying and distressing and frustrating. However, it's just part of having a business and that's, that's the relationship you're going to have. The bigger rewards are going to attract big risks and they're going to attract extra stress and that can be good stress and bad stress. What you're saying, committing to the fact that things are going to consistently change and you're going to have to consistently step up. It's kind of like we were talking about with relationships where... You've just got to keep going and keep being willing to 
um, tackle the obstacles that come up that come up with whatever it is you're doing. Well, even just step one is going to defeat most business owners. If I went to the average guy who's making six figures a year and said, you should be cheerfully paying a million dollars a year in expenses to run your business, they would freak out at the number. It's too much to comprehend. It's a big responsibility. But I know that the goal to making several million dollars is to make sure that a percentage of that goes back into the business as a baseline cost, whether it's fixed or variable. Even a good business is going to have you know, maybe a 30 or 40% profit margin, which means that more than half of what you bring in is going back out and that is a big mental game. So you, you have this relationship with expenses that is beyond most people's ability to fathom, especially PAYE employees who don't really have any business expenses. They are guaranteed a profit every year and they pay their taxes, they go. They're literally given what's left by their employer. They have to make no decisions about expenses. And some people are happy with that situation, and we're not bagging on them. We don't think that's a wrong way to go. We don't think that our way is the right way to oh, go. Absolutely not. I'm just answering your question on what relationship I needed to commit to in order for, for me to have my business. So I just want to give you the correct context yeah. there. Well, it's a rocky one for sure. Now, along that same line... Is, and I think this is just an interesting thing to talk about, and I see you do this, is your, the relationship you have to have to things that you are passionate about. So how do you integrate what you're passionate about in your life, and how important do you think it is to having a fun and fulfilling business life, having a relationship with something that you're passionate about when you're doing whatever it is you're doing, your business, your workout routine, your relationships? Well, I think that's the whole point. The, the whole point is to have fun and have a fulfilling life. So I will only do things that are fun or exciting wherever possible. And if I have no other choice, then I'll do it begrudgingly. <laughs> but I know that it's part of the deal. But we do get to filter and choose. And for that reason, I identify what do I love the most. And I surround myself with that. And I'll give you a classic example. I went out to get a coffee at a coffee shop on Friday. And I walked past a used bookstore and I thought, that looks cool. You know, in this day and age of Kindles and everything else, a cool little bookstore. And I walked in and the two proprietors were talking to each other in this deep philosophical conversation. It was like I was a complete interruption to their little used bookstore atmosphere. I let them just chat away. And I found this book about Led Zeppelin and I started reading the book and to my discovery, they pretty much ripped off all of their first songs. Like on the first album, pretty much everything was someone else's song and they just slapped their own name on top of it. They stole it. And I started researching online on YouTube and then that just led to further discoveries of how many artists repurpose and remix and everything else. And that led to me to incorporate that and infuse it into my business. I started discussions in my forums about it. People in my forums started emailing their customers with notes about the four chords video that I posted there. You know, I watched this thing go from me buying a book to spreading to my entire community within a few days and it's now part of my philosophy. My, my goal now is to see what are the best things out there that I can bring in, learn from, 
and repurpose and credit appropriately. That's the big step here that, that Led Zeppelin didn't do and build upon and make better. I saw that on your Facebook wall. I saw the something about Led Zeppelin and, and I didn't understand it. Well, that's what happened and it's, it's a whole discussion inside the community now about how, you know, Steve Jobs quoted Picasso and said that, you know, that, that the, the great artists steal and then he got really pissed off when everyone stole his... Uh, his stuff, but he took most of his stuff from uh, HP or Hewlett Packard and and from other companies in the beginning, and then then I think Bill Gates borrowed a few ideas from Apple. Like there, there's lots of examples of this, but this is this has been testing my relationship with copyrighted information, and you know how much do you borrow, and how much do you worry about when people borrow your stuff? In my case, people borrow my stuff all the time but a lot of the ideas and concepts i'm using in my business are innovations or revolutions on someone else's seed idea there's very little original stuff out there but i'm always careful to credit stuff and i think that's an important thing to do and it's great when people borrow my stuff when they do credit me uh, especially when i'm publishing stuff like own the race course which is a unique angle on an older idea and when people mention it, that's a really nice thing for them to do. And especially that I know how many people are getting success from it. So I'm developing my relationship with how I feel about uh, IP and copyright and stuff. And I think that I'm learning about myself through this process. Yeah, and I think that's a fascinating topic and, and conversation about how really all the stuff that we're talking about on Think, Act, Get is through our lens and through our experience, but it's all stuff that's been around, that's been talked about. And I think that's what makes something unique is you take a look at what's out there and then you put it through the lens of your own life. And that is, um, that is how you create content and that is how you create. So Ezra, like a few days after your Brown Box Formula product, I started to get the emails from the pirates who are selling their copy of it for cheaper. How do you feel about that? You know, I knew that was coming. I had a feeling that that this thing was going to get pirated all over the internet, and I'm actually happy about it. Look, the people, in my opinion, now other people may disagree with this, but the people who are going to pirate my course probably weren't going to be the best customers anyway. No, I totally disagree. And, well, That's hold on. Now, let's just, we'll just, let me finish the thought because I know, I know when I said people don't agree, I knew you didn't agree because we've had this conversation. <laughs> but uh, second, um, I'm happy for the exposure to those people. I don't so much care how they... I would much rather that they bought the course, but I, f I feel like in this day and age, there's really nothing I could do to stop that, and I don't want to worry myself with it. And I have a feeling that you know, a year from now, someone might come to me and say, hey, man, I pirated your course a year ago, but now I'd like to be your customer. Like, I just not, I'm not going to, you know, I would prefer that it wasn't pirated, but I'm not going to trip out on it too much. So now let's hear your theory about why there would be good buyers. Well, I just think in, if they can't get it any other way, they will buy it. And I know that in my own case, watching people around me, I see people who one minute I'll go to the cinemas and watch a movie and we'll spend whatever it is, $40 or $50, get the popcorn and watch a movie. The next minute they might be watching a copy of a video they've downloaded online and it's the same person. But if they weren't able to get the thing online, then they'll go and watch the movie or they'll rent it. So I think that it changes depending on availability. But I also agree with everything else you said after that. There's not much you can do to stop it. Well, that's a, v a very, very good point. Yeah, I was going to ask you. And yes, it makes you more famous. And people like Timothy Ferris, I think, actually use torrents to spread 
his chapters and stuff to get more people to find out who he is. Because the bottom line, if I walked down to Manly here and pulled up someone on the Corso and said, do you know of Ezra Firestone? They're going to give me blank looks. Or if I said, do you know, have you ever heard of Timothy Ferris? Most of them wouldn't have a clue who that is. They certainly wouldn't know who I am. I think I've been spotted maybe five times since I've been here. Uh, and I know that you've got maybe two or three friends who live here, but but that's it. In the general scheme of thing, we're not so famous that we should bother about it. We should probably be hoping that more people find out about us. So I would I would use it. I stopped trying to pull my own stuff down from those sites a year ago after Traffic Grab got so broadly shared online. It was impossible to stop. Yeah, I had that conversation as well and I just it was it's all over the place now. I mean, don't go if you're listening to this episode, hopefully you like us enough to invest in my course when it does come out again, but it is out there and it's, it, people can find it. Um, anyways, yeah, it doesn't make it it doesn't make it right. I'm just saying that um, look, if they find out about your course from this podcast, then at least we're we're talking about, but I did want to ask your relationship to your own IP because you put so much work into it. I know, and it's your legacy that that is being denied, and some little pirate in China is cashing up on the back of your hard work, and that's that's the part that I find a bit unpalatable. It is tough, and you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like uh, you can, um, at least in my in my opinion. If things are the way they are and you can be out of agreement with them and unhappy or you can get into agreement with them, particularly if you're not willing to change them. Like I'm not willing let, to do the work it takes to change that. Let me just ask you another question since we're doing a supersized episode. If you were sat, if I sat you here on my couch and I also sat Mr. Chinese pirate next to you, what would that conversation be like? How would that relationship go? There would be a lot of dissatisfaction on my part, but really what I would do... So here's the thing, man. Uh, I don't feel like... I feel like violence is an effective form of communication at some... Like, I'm not anti-violence. I think it is an effective form of communication, and that is a very controversial topic, one that we'll have to get into on another episode. I wouldn't use violence in this instance. I think violence only comes after you've tried multiple times to get someone's attention and have not been able to do it. I'd really be interested in why they why they feel like that is the only way that they have a way to make money. Why they feel like that like why they feel like they have no value to add on their own. I really don't know how that would go. I think well, I, th- I think they would I would think that he would think he's adding value and I think that he'd have very little understanding of copyright um no no real empathy to it apparently 70 percent of all the software in the philippines is pirated wow that was i read that in the newspaper when i was there last it's just no cultural awareness of copyright protection because the system is too far behind the way that the market consumes information anyway it's a whole other topic let's move on all right we'll talk i think i think that's going to get some um I think people are going to be interested in that one, and we may. We'll probably get some yeah. comments on this. I'm, I'm not heavily pro or against. I'm just saying it's been, it started to affect me as a product creator and also a consumer. We have to make choices. And you pull up any kid's iPhone these days, and I can assure you, they're going to have every song known to and man. Now, and and now movies. <laughs> you know, that is an interesting question. I'm yes. going to have to ponder that a little bit more about how I would handle that situation. I think it's uh, one that I wasn't expecting it, and so I don't have an immediate answer, but I'm interested to, to think more about that. Now we're moving on to the weekly willpower wager. 
and uh, and bet, report and bet. So what we want you to do this week is clean your desk, organize some area of your house, fold your clothes, organize that file cabinet, scrub the kitchen. Each day for the next seven days, spend 30 minutes putting attention on your relationship to a specific space that you frequent. Clean it up, make it nicer, and notice the impact it has on your life. Then come back and report to us how it felt. Should we put the YouTube video of how to fold a t-shirt? I love that video. Oh, dude. Oh, my God. Yes. I, I watched it and I went out immediately, put all my clothes on the bed and folded them all and put them in a nice... My, my t-shirt cupboard looks like a clothing store. It's amazing. I'm a little intimidated by it. I haven't even tried it yet. It kind of freaks but, me out. Dude, sure it's I got like you don't, you don't have to worry. You never even wear a shirt. Well, but you need hand-eye coordination to pull that off. You need some <laughs> certain... And it kind of, it's a little bit of like um, origami. I don't know. I have to so watch. So that will be my weekly times. willpower wager. Is <laughs> I challenge you to see if you can fold a T-shirt better than Ezra. Oh my God! I bet you can. All right, what do we got next, James? Uh, news and updates. So we've got the FastWeb Formula Four videos are being loaded up to FastWebFormula dot com. Yeah. FastWebFormula dot com. Yes. Yeah. So we've got. Uh, well, I've been. I got them all back from the editor. They're fantastic. They're being loaded up, and they're MP3 versions, and uh, fully transcribed with complete pictures from every single slide. So, it's the ultimate way to get the FastWeb Formula Four experience in hindsight. If you didn't go, just join FastWebFormula.com. You'll be able to watch all of the videos, including Ezra's amazing, stunning three hours packed into 90 minutes presentation on e-commerce. And Well, let's just uh, yeah. talk about that for a second. If you do watch that presentation, please ignore the part where I say you are going to get those slides because I did not send them to James and you will not get those slides. Um, <laughs> I created a bit of a tail for him when I did that and I apologize. It's okay, mate. Well, my team are actually screenshotting every, every slide out of the video and putting it with the full transcriptions, which is available for members. So effectively, members of fastwebformula.com are getting that $1,000 event recordings as a gift from me to continue their value in the membership. So it's the cheapest, easiest way to get access to that information. Plus, I've put some of my best material into the other modules, so there's some good stuff. Now, we're also accepting voicemails from SpeakPipe. That's that little thing on the bottom of thinkatget.com where you can click on it and leave your audio message and uh, we'll play you on air. So if you want to be in this show, that's how you do it. We also have our Lifestyle Business Retreat in Hawaii coming up September 6th through 8th. You can find out more details about that at thinkactget.com forward slash products. And James, I have to admit something to you live on air. You know, I I was removing my brown box formula link from that page after the uh, brown box formula closed down, and I deleted on accident the picture and the ability for people to buy tickets. So that is something that you, <laughs> you'll have to fix for me at some point. That's fine. There'll be a, a there'll be an older version of the page we can restore, and I also have to add the video that I've edited but not loaded to the page. So how about we we'll as a team, we'll work together to make that page awesome. Awesome. Silver Circle is open. Is it open? It is open, right? It's just about open by the time this episode comes out. It hasn't actually opened all year, so it's the first time in six months that it will officially open. I have some amazing feedback from current members. Some of the people who you'll meet when you join have been talking about their successes and it's not uncommon for them to have doubled their business, which I'm extraordinarily uh, pleased about that it's uh, 
it's getting people results and especially in a very short time. Someone added 30% to their business in the first few weeks just from making one change. I mean, a, a, guy, a guy made $5 million or something. Yeah, right? one of the members went from 30000 a month to 300000 a month. So that's an indication of what is possible if you are prepared to open your mind a little bit and to let me help you in your business. That is an extraordinary result. It's probably not typical and I wouldn't want someone to join thinking they're going to make 300 grand a month because it's market dependent, it's dependent on your experience. But I'll give you a good metaphor for this. I went 10-pin bowling on Sunday and there were two kids, my little niece there and my youngest son, and for them we had the bumpers pop up so that the gutter is blocked because for the first three or four balls, my niece was managing to find the gutter quite effectively and I could see she was probably bordering on tears that she was maybe not going to actually knock down a pin for the whole round. So I went and had a chat to the counter and they allowed them to put the bumpers up just for their turn. From then on, she was cleaning up. You know, she was knocking down seven, eight, nine pins because it didn't matter where she put the ball. As long as she just pushed it down the aisle, the bumpers guided that ball somewhere near the pin and that's what Silver Circle is for a business owner. I'll be your bumpers and I will prevent you from making the big mistakes that pretty much everybody makes and you will be able to knock down pins when you were not able to do it before because I'll be there helping you every step of the way. So we can edit this out and I don't usually make make jokes like this. It's very not my style but basically what James is saying is throw your balls at him and he'll make sure that they go straight down the center. <laughs> Pretty much, I'm saying. So don't throw them at me. Throw them at the target. <laughs> uh, <laughs> throw, throw them at the target, but Jim. <laughs> I'll help you oh, manage man. your balls. Okay. We, okay, so. Yeah. All right. But you get the metaphor, don't you, Ezra? I do. I do. It's a great metaphor. You're one of the best. You're one of the best metaphor creators. That besides my wife, Carrie is just unbelievable at this. She's she's the best I've ever met. But you are high oh, okay. on the list. I challenge her to fight to the death. Oh, really? I think <laughs> no. she'll take you up on that challenge. Maybe not to the death, no. but she will take you no, up no, you're for, on a metaphor you, battle. Yeah, we could have a, a metaphor off. You should definitely do that. No, I, I'll just concede now. She's probably better than I She's am. She's just a genius. But anyways, you are phenomenal. So I don't want to take anything away from you. You have different styles, you know? Yeah. Um, different styles. So and one thing I want to mention real quick, I know we've been giving this guy a lot of love, but Greg Merrilies of studio1.com.au, I believe, who redesigned our Think Act Get, created our Think Act Get shirt and redesigned our Think Act Get website header, um, is doing a redesign on my website, Smart Marketer, which should be due out in about two weeks. I just wasn't happy with the way it look, looked. I didn't feel like it reflected me or my personality or, um, you know, I just, I wasn't happy with it. So uh, after Greg created that uh, logo for Tag and I got to see a little bit about his you know his style. I felt like he was the guy to uh, create a design that represents me. And I'm not. Uh, I don't have vision that way. I can't really see design and colors. And so I'm excited to see what uh, comes of that. I think that's newsworthy. Yeah. For so me. look out for Greg's new product on uh, product placement and leveraging your brand by piggybacking popular shows. <laughs> no, he should be putting one out if he hasn't. Dude, he, do you see he put a, he put a link to us on his new site? He's got a whole big banner. Uh, showing. He's, He's awesome. Yeah. And we love Greg. I'm always proudly wearing the T-shirt. So thanks, Greg. Right. So we've got a, a speak pipe comment from Mark Billy. He's from our fan from Starletto's. So uh, starletto's.com, those little things that stop your 
heels from digging into the mud. Uh, he, he came up with that design and sells them online. Morning, Ezra and James, Mark from Sydney here. Um, just listened to the uh, episodes 12 and 13, I'm catching up, and uh, I will say that episode 12 I listened to a couple of days ago and I haven't acknowledged anyone yet, so let me start by acknowledging you guys. Um, it's at least uh, beginning to change my way of thinking, acting and getting. Um, also wanted to suggest an episode on decision making. I've heard uh, James talk about decision making in a number of different arenas and I really like his take on all of it uh, and the filtering and so on. I'd also like to hear what Ezra has to say about it. So um, maybe stick that in the uh, pipeline. And I don't think there's been a sex episode yet, so you could maybe uh, I don't know, merge the two together. That might be interesting. See how you go. Great work, guys. Uh, looking forward to the next one. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> oh, Mark. Okay, so I'm happy to do decision making. I think that is a great topic and I could see Ezra writing some nice draft lines for that without me giving him too much of a prompt. But most certainly we are faced with, well, put it this way, once we decide that we actually have a choice, if we're not the victim, if we have that kind of relationship with ourselves, then there are abundant decisions that can be made and there are lots of factors. Like right now, I have a whiteboard with seven or eight events that I can go to that I've been invited to speak at between now and the end of the year, including our Hawaii retreat. Now, I have decisions to make around what country, which event, and I have to weigh up certain factors. And we could talk through some of those processes on an episode, I'm sure. I think we definitely should. And I'm going to hit you up offline to find out what events those are and how I can get myself invited to them. Well, I think you're um, probably at three of them. <laughs> really? I wish we find- well, I am definitely at, uh, yeah, well, I'm at two, two or three of them. Two of them for sure that I know of. The third one, I'm not sure. Next, we have Amy on the control episode. She says, hi, Ezra and James. I just love Think, Act, Get. It has such a refreshing perspective, and it's so fun to see James's softer, lighthearted side. Since everyone seems to be chiming in on the swearing question, I'll throw my opinion in too. My thought is, say whatever you want. One of my favorite podcasts is the Joe Rogan Experience. Holler at Joe Rogan because I love that guy. She didn't say that on her um, comment. I'm just throwing that in. And he calls the audience fuckers or something like that, fucks, freaks, I don't know, I think it's, I don't know what she's saying here, but he calls the audience some F word with a bunch of squigglies, um, but I couldn't care less because he's so interesting and he really does love his audience. I want to hear you both speak the way you would if you were having dinner since podcasts lend themselves to more intimacy. Of course, this is your choice, but I encourage you to be yourself and publish that swearing at all, swearing and all. Thanks again for all you do, warmly, Amy. Well, that's nice. Huh. I mean, I, I, I like that. I mean, I would prefer to just, well, I don't know. I mean, we, we swore. This, is, this episode has had the most swear words that we've had in any episode ever. So I think we are embracing that, Amy. Well, well we have to be careful because, you know, I get mixed feedback on it. So, someone from my Fast Web Formula event thought there was too much swearing, and I'm going to finger Clay Collins with that one because I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> me. <laughs> but... but uh, you know, they're saying, well, we wonder what sort of clients you're trying to attract and if you could have this, you know, a better client without the swearing, except, etc. But then this person made all sorts of crazy, you know, they don't like going to the city, they'd rather be somewhere outside. Like, you can never please everyone. That's one of the most important things I've learned from feedback is that you're going to get complete opposite answers. 
someone wants more of me, less other speakers. Other ones want more other speakers, less of me. Other ones just want extra days. You know, like you can't win. That's the, the ultimate outcome. So I guess what I think based on all of the feedback we've had, we should just be ourselves and, and not really adjust too much because if we adjust one way to please some people, we're going to lose our core ethos of who we are and we're going to upset other people. So we might as well just be us and deal with whatever that leaves us. I agree. I agree 100%. Kenny on podcasting. Great show, guys. You mentioned John Lee Dumas. What are your thoughts on how he has added lots of keywords to the title of his podcast in iTunes? Do you think this works and will have any longevity? Uh, this one's yours, man. I'm sure we answered this before, but anyway. Well, you, you, here's what's happening is you think you've answered them because you answer all of them in the, in the text questions. Uh, okay. That's what's happening. See? I've got a good memory. Okay. So... I think that uh, it's giving him a bit of real estate, but it's a little bit over the top in my opinion. I don't think we'll be doing that. I think we'll... Yeah, and I, I have no viewpoint because I don't even know how to... Like, I, have, I, I need your help, frankly. I've got to call you the, afterwards because my, my <laughs> Smart Marketer podcast isn't even working. I don't know how to get it uploaded to iTunes. I'm just lost, so I don't know anything oh, about this. Right. I know, it's terrible. We can, we can help you out. But the bottom line is whatever the page title of the blog is is going to determine what shows in iTunes. So I don't know if John's doing it consciously or if it's just automatically pulling from the title and he's not even aware of it. But to me, it looks like he's trying to use the social proof of the very powerful people he's interviewed as uh, proof to keep it in that top chart. Now, what I would like to do is I've invited John Lee Dumas to come to my event and share with my audience what he's up to and how it's working for him. So if you'd like John Lee Dumas to come to Fast Web Formula 5, by all means, comment and let him know or even let him know on his own site that he should come and speak at Fast Web Formula 5 about podcasting because I have invited him and I'd love him to come. That's entrepreneuronfire.com. Fernando Camacho on the episode of Balance. Shram Diddy and Banana Boy. You really deliver Shram Diddy? I mean, <laughs> Which one do you think's Banana Boy? I think Boy? that's probably me. Uh, <laughs> you, re <laughs> you really delivered again. I just love all these podcasts. They help me in business and in life, and balance is something I've always struggled with, and I love both of your perspectives on it, and I'm working on it in my life as we speak. And I'm on my 19th banana of the day and feeling juiced. I sure hope he's just kidding about that last part. <laughs> I hope so, too. No, I'll be crazy enough to eat 19 bananas in it, uh, actually. All right, so... Thomas on Habits. Hey, James and Ezra. Uh, actually, he didn't even say that. Hi, James and Ezra. This was a great episode. I've listened to it about five times now. So you're the one ramping up our episode count. You both were dropping great knowledge bombs that really helped kick my ass into gear. I've now acquired the habit of consistent content creation based around questions I get from clients. It's also turned into great fun as well. Thanks again. Warmest regards, Thomas. Rock on. Thomas, rock on. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. That's cool. That's a good habit to have created. All right. We've got, I mean, that's, what more do you want to say besides right on, man? Um, Amy on acknowledgement. Hi, Ezra and James. I just can't say enough. I really love this new podcast. I've been implementing the samurai sword. Yes. She remembers the samurai sword. That's, that was when I first swore. That was really like a big moment for me. I swore on the podcast. I said, everyone has a bleep samurai sword. But anyways, uh, for the past few days with my husband and my children, and I can tell how effective it is. I love when Ezra says that he likes to catch people doing, doing right 
which is very important for good parenting and in marriage too. I'd love to hear about James and Ezra's morning routine. Are you reading, having a green smoothie, exercising? I find myself waking up and just blasting into the day without mapping it out or having any quiet time. So I'm curious if you two do something different. Uh, thanks so much, Amy. Thank you, Amy. I'm so glad you've discovered Think at Get and be sure to tell all your friends. <laughs> and I would be happy to talk about routine. I think that's a key to success. I always refer to it as laying the train tracks so that you can just roll your train along it with no resistance. It's just so much easier when you have uh, train tracks to roll down, and that's what, that's what you do. I think we should perhaps do an episode on routines. Yeah, if we haven't, we should. Yeah, we haven't yet. All right, wonderful, Amy. I'm so happy that acknowledgement is playing a role in your, in your relationship with your kids and your husband, and, and it really is effective, and I'm, uh, I can't wait to hear more about how it's going for you and how you're using it. Okay, next we have our Think About It portion of the day. Right, so we're going to do a quote here. I'm not so sure about my quote. You've got to do it. You just got to because it's – okay. I just want to hear you quoting this person just on, on – Oh, my goodness. You set me up here. I did. I blasted you. A relationship isn't going to make me survive. It's the cherry on top. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston. That's what right. are you doing to me, mate? Like, yeah, come on, this seriously, is I go to, baby. I always go to Jennifer Aniston when I want some deep wisdom. <laughs> got to be kidding me! What oh sort of man, quote I just—I had to do it. I had to hit you with a Jennifer Aniston quote. This is a wind-up. Yeah, it is, but it's a good quote. And you know, hey, you got to give it to Jennifer <laughs> Hang on. Aniston. In in what context on earth is this a good quote? Well, what she's saying, essentially, what she's trying to get at here, what Jan. <laughs> What we're now calling her is trying to get at is that your is the thing I was mentioning about being fulfilled and entering your relationships, right? Your relationship is not the thing that's going to make you survive. It's the cherry. It, it makes a lot of sense when you really think about it. I got to hand it to her. Uh, I don't get it. I think it's a lame quote. Oh man. Well, that's all right because it was yours. Now we'll move on to my quote, which is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you saved saved a little better one for yourself. I did. I did. I hit you. I just I was late and I was putting these together. Uh, these these adding these quotes in last we, minute. If we're gonna do movie stars, I'd rather switch mine out. All right, to all right, go for it. Hen, Hen, Henry Winkler, assumptions are the termites of relationships. Oh, I saw that one. Was that by Winkler? Yeah. Hey, that guy's the Fonz. I like that. Um, yeah, the Fonz is he's he's all over it. He was deep. All right, a relationship requires a lot of work and commitment by Greta Sachi. So again, this goes back to everything we've been talking about in this episode. You, it, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to continually do the do the work it takes to see this, you know, to experience the success and um, it, particularly in a relationship with anything. Uh, next, we have our tag tips. All right. So my tip is try something new. Just get out of your comfort zone. Do something. Have a new experience. Maybe, like we talked about in this episode, change up your desk. Get a different piece of clothing, uh, tell someone something that you've been holding back and see if you can improve a relationship there, try a new activity, hang out with different people, go to a, go to a different place. That's how I found the bookshop, by the way. I always take a different path when I go out of the place to, to find somewhere to have a coffee or whatever because I want to discover stuff. I want to learn more stuff and, and actually improve the relationship I have with my local village by being more familiar with what's around there. And it makes it more interesting and exciting. Absolutely. It's so true. My, my, it really is. Mine is, uh, well, you know, we've talked about this before, but it's be nice. 
You know, it's so powerful that I wanted to bring it up again. You really can enjoy your life, your relationships, and affect change and see big results all from just being nice. There's so much power in that word. And people want your attention and your approval. And if you have the surplus to give it to them, great things will happen. There you go. So we've been talking about mindset, behavior, and results. And with a focus on improving your life and business, everything is directed at you, our special listener. And this episode 23 was about relationship, not relationships, it was relationship. Ezra and I had a big chat about this before the show for the, you know, a minute or two on the difference. But anyway, every episode of Think Act Get has in one way or another been about this topic, your relationship to your emotional state, your relationship to your life, your relationship to the people in your life, your relationship to yourself, to your business. This one is a biggie. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to another episode of Think, Act, Get. We sure do appreciate you spending time with us. This was a big topic, and it was a long episode, and we appreciate you. So thank you so much, and we will catch up with you. And let us know, by the way. Tell us if it was too long, and I'll just rein Ezra in a little bit. In fact, I'm going to take responsibility for sharing too many stories on this episode if it was too long. But if it was just right for you, then that's great. Hopefully, you went a few extra miles or kilometers with your walk. Maybe it was good for you in a, in a fitness perspective or something. I think it probably was. I think it was a good one. I feel good about, about how we did in this episode. So we will catch up with you on the next episode of Think, Act, Get. See you, listener. This has been another episode of Think, Act, Get with James Schramko and Ezra Firestone. For more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster, visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter. It's free.